Amen. We're turning together in God's precious word to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John and the chapter 10. This is a chapter that we read from last Lord's Day, John chapter 10. And we read the first 10 verses of the chapter. Well, today we want to take up our reading at the 11th verse, John chapter 10 and the verse 11, and reading down a section of this chapter together. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him, and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again, to stone him. Amen. We land there at verse 31. And may the Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. 
And we're turning together in God's Word to John's Gospel in the chapter 10. And I want to draw your attention today to another of the great claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at some of these claims already, known as the I Ams of Christ, found in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 6, we thought about the claim, I am the bread of life. And then in John chapter 8, the Lord said, I am the light of the world. And here in this 10th chapter, we've already looked at verse 9, where the Lord said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And today I want to draw your attention to the verse 11. Very close by our text last Lord's Day, but yet we have another of the great I am statements. In verse 11, the Savior says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And so this is the claim that we want to look at together today. But let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let's ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word this morning. Our Heavenly Father and our gracious God, we do thank and praise Thee that we have Thy precious Word, and we rejoice that Thy Word is quick and powerful. We thank Thee, our Father, that Thy Word is able to pierce into each and every heart today. And we ask, our Father, that Thou wouldst come and minister to us, even through the still, small voice of God the Holy Spirit, and as we look further at the claims of Christ and the gospel, that it would prove to be a blessing to each and to every heart. So abide with us now and answer prayer. We offer it in the Savior's name. Amen. Well, the theme of John chapter 10 is that of the shepherd and the sheep. And having looked at this chapter a little bit last Lord's Day morning, we thought already about the sheepfold and how the Lord said there in the ninth verse, I am the door. That is, he was the door into the sheepfold. Well, today our thought will focus more upon the shepherd of the sheep. And what is said here in John chapter 10 is really given by the Savior by way of answer to what happened in chapter 9, the preceding chapter. Because there the Lord was pleased by his mercy to heal a man who had been blind from his birth. But that led to the blind man being questioned and being interrogated by the religious leaders of his day. The Pharisees came to him with questions about the Savior. And they even questioned his parents as well. And the result of that questioning by the Pharisees was that that blind man who had been healed, he was cast out of the synagogue. And if you were to look back into chapter 9, and just look there at the verse 22. You could see that that's what these Pharisees were determined to do. In chapter 9 and 22, it says, These words spake his parents, 
because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. That was a very serious thing. To be put out of the synagogue was to become an outcast of society, to be ostracized from the community. And that's the threat that they were under here in chapter 9. And when you look at chapter 9 and verse 34, it says, They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. And there was this man, blind from his birth, healed by the mercy of God, and he has been cast out of the temple. He has been abandoned by the religious leaders of his day, those who were supposed to be shepherds of the people. And they have cast out this poor man. They have abandoned him. They have caused him now to be ostracized from his community. But in chapter 9 and the verse 35, it says, Jesus heard. Oh, it came to the attention of the Savior. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And so here's a man who had been cast out, who had been abandoned, but the Savior comes to him. And the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be that shepherd to him. And that's really, you see, where John chapter 10 comes from. John chapter 10 flows from that miracle of healing and the opposition that was faced because of that miracle of healing. And in John chapter 10, the Lord is addressing the Pharisees. He's speaking about the false shepherds. And he's setting himself there by way of contrast as the true shepherd and as the good shepherd. And it's so important for us to see that, that the events here and the words of chapter 10 is really by way of answer to what has happened in chapter 9. And on the back of this man being cast out, the Lord is telling of his sheepfold. And that's a sheepfold from which you'll never be cast out. And on the back of these false shepherds, these blind leaders of the blind, the Lord is putting himself forth and he's saying, I am the good shepherd, the one who will never leave, the one who will never abandon his sheep. The Lord is saying to this poor man, I'll be your shepherd and you can come and enter into my fold. The Lord is the shepherd. Do you know that's a title that has been given of the Lord right through the Scriptures? It's a beautiful picture to think that the Lord is the shepherd of his people. And so many different times in the Word of God, that's the picture that is used to describe the relationship between the Lord and his people. He's a shepherd to his people. 
That's why David was able to pen those words in the Psalm 23. He knew all that the Lord had been to him. And as he pens that psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he's able to say of the Lord Jehovah, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 80, when the psalmist was coming to pray to the Lord and to address the Lord in prayer, one of the titles that he used in the Psalm 80, the very opening verse, he said, O shepherd of Israel, thou that ledest Joseph like a flock. The Lord is the shepherd of his people. In Isaiah 40 and the verse 11, we read the words, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Over in Ezekiel and the chapter 34, there are some beautiful words that are given there in that chapter, the verse 11, for example. It says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. And on down that same chapter in the verse 22, the Lord said, Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle, and I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd." And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. The Lord shows us in his word this beautiful picture that he's a shepherd to his people. We are the sheep. And how like the sheep we are. As Isaiah 53 would tell us, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And here in the New Testament, in John chapter 10 and the verse 11, the Savior makes this wonderful claim. And he says in contrast to those false shepherds, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And as we think about the words of our text, firstly, I want you to notice the sacrifice of the shepherd. Just those three words, giveth his life. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life. And those words reveal to us how much the Savior loves his sheep that he's prepared to give his life for the sheep. What a demonstration of the love of God for his people. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And here the loving shepherd is willing to lay down his very life. There are other shepherds, the false shepherds like The Pharisees that we have made reference to already, false shepherds, but there were shepherds in the Old Testament like David, and David was a good shepherd. There's times whenever David had to 
wrestle the beast, the lion and the bear that came to the flock to take the sheep and he would wrestle to rescue the sheep from the very jaws of the beast and it tells us that he slew the lion and the bear. But David never laid down his life for the sheep. And we, like the sheep, we face death in the clutches of our adversary, the devil. We were in danger of perishing, but the Savior intervened. And in his intervention, the good shepherd has given his life. And that word there in our text of Scripture, giveth, that indicates to us something of the voluntary nature of Christ's death. His life wasn't so much taken from him, but he was giving his life, voluntarily giving himself. See how the Lord in our Bible reading reveals the contrast there to the hireling? Just in the very next verse, in verse 12, and also in the verse 13. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. The hireling is the hired hand. They're not volunteers. The hireling is the one who will be paid for his labors. The hireling is the one who does not own the sheep, therefore doesn't have the same care and attention to those sheep. The hireling is not going to lay down his life for the sheep. The hireling is going to flee when the danger cometh. But the Savior, he giveth his life. My, when you think about that, the sacrifice of the one who is the good shepherd voluntarily giving his life. You see in the Bible reading verses 17 and 18, again it brings out that voluntary nature of the Savior's death. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There's the Lord Jesus Christ voluntarily giving his life. And when you consider the Savior giving himself, it must be understood what that entails. That brings in the whole incarnation of Christ that would culminate uh, with those sufferings of the Savior. He giveth, gave us back, gave us back to the smiters who would scourge him. Gave his back to the cat and nine tails, to the whip, and they laid those stripes upon the Savior, and they opened up his back with those stripes. He gave his back, and he gave his very cheeks as they smote the Savior upon the cheek, as they plucked the very hairs from off his cheek. 
And he gave his head when they placed that crown of thorns upon his head. He gave his hands and he gave his feet whenever they drove in the nails. And he gave his very life's blood. He gave himself. He giveth his life. He poured out every last drop of his precious blood. The physical sufferings that the Lord Jesus Christ endured, he giveth his life. The apostle Peter, when he was writing in his epistles, he said of the Savior, he was put to death in the flesh. He suffered in his body as he hung upon the accursed tree. But he suffered not only physically, he suffered in soul as well. And he suffered the very wrath of God against sin to the extent that he was forsaken of God. And he cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But God spared not his own son. He delivered him up for us all. The Savior could say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life. The sacrifice of the shepherd. But secondly, I want you to notice with me the substitution of the shepherd. It's that little word for. It says, the good shepherd giveth his life for. It's for the sheep. And that little word for, it actually means in place of. It means instead of. And as the good shepherd laid down his life and he made that once for all and final sacrifice for sin, he did it in place of the sheep. He was sacrificed in the place of us. He didn't make that sacrifice upon the cross for himself. He made it for for others. So many examples that we could turn to where that sacrifice of the Savior is spoken of in that substitutionary manner with that little word for. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15 and the verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He died for our sins. In other words, he would bear our sins, the consequences of our sin, the punishment that was our due, the wages of sin is death, and that death is eternal death in hell. But the Lord Jesus Christ died, and he took upon himself the consequences of sin. He not only took our place, but he took our punishment. And it's teaching us of substitution. Paul's letter to the Romans in the chapter 5, there are those verses again relating to the death of Christ and how many times that little preposition for is there again. And when we read that word for, it's teaching us of substitution. 
When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, he died in place of the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. That substitutionary work of the Savior, that's the highest demonstration of the love and mercy of God for his people. And again, substitution is something that was uh, taught from the earliest days. Adam and Eve would have learned about substitution in the garden. Whenever they had fallen into sin and their nakedness was exposed and the Lord had to make a covering for their sin. And he gave to them there uh, those skins for a covering for clothes. In order for that covering to be provided, the animal had to die. And Adam and Eve were learning about substitution. Think about Abraham and Isaac. And Abraham is ready to sacrifice his son. Just as he's about to sacrifice his son, there was that voice that stopped Abraham. Lay not thine hand upon the lad. And there beside them was a ram caught in the thicket, and the ram would be sacrificed in the place of Isaac, and they're learning about substitution. And you think of the Passover lamb and how that Passover lamb would be taken and it would be slain. And they're learning there again about substitution. Paul tells us of the Savior. As he wrote to the Colossians, he was made a curse for us. For us. Paul himself could say, he loved me and he gave himself for me. See, it's substitution. We as sinners are under the curse of a broken law. The wrath of God is hanging above our heads. But our good shepherd, the Savior, he intervened. And that which should have fallen upon us, it has fallen upon him at Calvary. What a demonstration of his love. We were singing those words of Charles Wesley. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me, for me in my room and in my stead? Charles Spurgeon said concerning substitution, he says, I've always considered with Luther and Calvin that the sum and substance of the gospel lies in that word substitution, Christ standing in the stead of man. The sum and substance of the gospel, it lies in the word substitution. And Charles Spurgeon uh, went on to say, my entire theology can be condensed into four words. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. The sum and substance of the gospel. 
I am the good shepherd, the Savior said. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We thought there about the sacrifice of the shepherd and the substitution of the shepherd, but thirdly, the sheep of the shepherd. You see, at the end of our text, the Lord is speaking about the sheep. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And John chapter 10 teaches us all about the Lord's sheep. The shepherd's claim of the sheep. You glance back there to the third verse. It says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth, mark these words, his own sheep. You see the claim that the Lord puts there upon the sheep? They're his own sheep. The sheep that belong to the Lord. It's repeated in verse 4, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, They're his possession, the sheep that belong to the Lord. You see there in the verse 12, we referred you to that reference for the hireling. But what is it that's emphasized in verse 12 about the hireling? But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not. The sheep don't belong to the hireling. The sheep belong to the shepherd You see, in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. There's the claim repeated. And the Lord went on to say, And know my sheep, and am known of mine. And the Lord is saying that they're his sheep. They're my sheep. You could go down to the verse 26. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. These are sheep that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's saying, they're my sheep. Verse 29 tells us how he came to be in possession of these sheep. My Father, which gave them me, sheep, Of course, he's not referring to sheep. He's using the illustration of the sheep. He's referring to his people. People that belong to him. And he's saying they're mine. And they were given given to me by the Father. Given to me by the Father in eternity past. And they're my sheep. They're the Lord's flock. Whenever Peter was writing in 1 Peter in the chapter 5, and he was writing there concerning the elder and giving charge to the elder, he refers in 1 Peter chapter 5 to the flock. And he makes a very important point there. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Feed the flock. Feed the flock of God. They're God's flock. The sheep actually belong to the Lord. Feed the flock of God which is among you. And so while we have the privilege of being under shepherds, the flock is not ours. The flock belongs to the Lord. They're the people of God. And the Lord would say to his people, Fear thou not, for I have redeemed thee, and I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. 
Lord, mine. That's the shepherd's claim over his sheep, that of possession. Then the shepherds care for the sheep. In our Bible reading in the verse 13, it says of the hireling that the hireling careth not for the sheep, but thank God for the care of the Lord for his sheep. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture, and he cares for us by way of all of his provision. And he cares for us by way of his protection and of his presence with us. The loving, caring shepherd. Then there's the call, the shepherd's call of the sheep. Verse 4 of John 10, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And in the verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And you would know how the shepherds out in the east, they don't go behind the flock of sheep, they go in front of the flock of sheep. And they're able to make that distinctive sound with their voice that their sheep recognize. And as they make that distinctive sound, they can walk off in a particular direction. And for anyone who has actually witnessed it, it's a powerful thing to behold. And as the shepherd walks off and makes that distinctive noise with his voice, the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That's how we are to follow the Lord. We are to hear his voice speaking to us through his precious word. And we are to be in obedience and following after our Lord and Savior. Then the shepherd's consolation for the sheep. In verse 28, he's speaking about his sheep. He says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly and that life is eternal life in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, the life by which we will never perish. What a consolation that is to know today that we have eternal life and that we're one of the Lord's sheep and that we're shut into the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Not like the Pharisees in John chapter 9 who abandoned the blind man and cast him out of the synagogue. No, the Lord says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What a blessing and what a privilege today to know that we're one of the Lord's sheep and that we're shut in to him and that we are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. Oh, if you're not saved today, make sure that you come and you put your faith and trust in the only Savior of men. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We're going to bow together in a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we do praise thee for help given around thy precious word. And we pray, O oh God, that each one would know what it is to hide that word within our heart, that we might not sin against thee. 
Lord, for those that are saved, make it a word of encouragement. Build us up and strengthen us in the things of God and help us to rest in that assurance and knowledge that we're shut in for all eternity to our Lord and Savior. And for any today who are outside of the family and fold of God, oh, bring them, our Father, draw them, we pray, and even from, uh, Lord, being out on the mountain, wild and bare, bring the wandering ones today to the Savior. Hear and answer prayer and abide with us now. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.